If you listen to only one podcast this summer, listen to our episode about Star Wars. But if you listen to two podcasts, listen to this one, featuring me, Cam Seamer. And I'm dead sexy. I'm Eric Ambler. And welcome to the podcast where we look at the pop culture of our youth through the lens of adulthood. It's not about good or bad, it's about then and now, as we try our best to answer the question... What were we watching, baby? Yeah! And from that shagadelic intro, it's time to welcome everyone to Shag's Giving. <laughs> That's right. It's the month of either Gold Vember or November. What do you guys think? <laughs> November sounds both disturbing and inviting. So I like that the best. <laughs> it seems more fitting for these movies. Yes. Movies, plural movies. That's right. It's a feast. It's a Thanksgiving season feast. Uh, which we, we've done before, I think, and it's always fun to kind of use this format to tackle things that go well in tandem. And why not episodes two and three of Austin Powers? So this is our episode 194 of what we're watching, Shag's Giving, with Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, and Austin Powers in gold member. And with us, we have our own international man of mystery. He's our special boy! It's Nate Tapp. <laughs> hey guys, good to be here. <laughs> I should have thought of something clever to say, but uh, I, I've got nothing. <laughs> you just should have said "ee." <laughs> uh, this this is we've teased this episode before. At least the spy who shagged me discussion. Nate specifically on a previous episode. I mean, it's a it's a special it's a special movie. It's got a special place in my heart, a special place in in my history, a special place in our history, Cam and I. So <laughs> that's oh. why I'm here, <laughs> and I am thrilled to be along for the ride. Let me tell you, because you know I've been privy to other things, you guys' chemistry through these episodes, and also through your emails. Like the Godzilla folder is something I think about every day. <laughs> So, <laughs> me too, Eric. Me too. If, if you can, I hope you can live up to to that that highlight. Let's let's open our Godzilla folder of sorts. We will try. This is the natural next step because Godzilla folder was sixth grade. Spy who shagged me was seventh grade. Yes, one hundred percent. Oh boy, so you're oh growing boy. up with us, Eric, and listeners. Uh, which means, I guess, uh, eighth grade. We gotta. You'll call me in for the uh, X Men episode. I'm assuming. Or oh hell yeah! <laughs> oh god! You just keep. You just keep. You keep creating this chain. You're so smart, mate. You know how to like <laughs> perpetuate your appearances on this podcast. Exactly. I'm just. I'm. I'm right. I'm bootstrapping myself in here. <laughs> <laughs> Clever girl. Just trying to get to that ten timers club. I think you're close. Oh, who's keeping track? Yeah. Yeah. I mean probably probably can, but I mean the jackets are pretty cool. I don't blame you. 
All right. So shall we begin, fellas? Talk about our first movie, since we have two to get through. Um, the first, we'll be talking about The Spy Who Shagged Me, which was released on June 11th, 1999, directed by Jay Roach, written by Michael McCullers and Mike Myers, and it stars Mike Myers, Heather Graham, Michael York, Robert Wagner, Rob Lowe, Mindy Sterling, Seth Green, and Vern Troyer. E. <laughs> <laughs> the key edition along with heather graham and rob Lowe. yes so i know god there's just my mind is overflowing <laughs> <laughs> but i think we need to we need to kind of wait a tick let's take a step back consolidate our mojo and remind everyone what happens in this movie with a recap Yes, I'll serve the function of Basil Exposition here. Perfect. So while on his honeymoon, international spy Austin Powers learns his new wife, Vanessa, is actually a fembot sent to kill him. And she self-destructs, making Austin single again. (laughs) Meanwhile, his nemesis, Dr. Evil, returns from space to plan more terrorist schemes. Now with a pint-sized clone of himself, he calls Mini-Me. His new plan is to use a time machine to travel back to 1969 when Austin is still cryogenically frozen, to have his oversized Scottish henchman fat bastard steal Austin's mojo, a.k.a. the source of his sexual prowess, which Dr. Evil uses to seduce his henchwoman, Frau Farbissina. Austin then travels back in time, meets an agent named Felicity Shagwell, who helps him thwart several assassination attempts, and eventually stop Dr. Evil's plan to install a laser on the moon and hold the world ransom. Felicity dies in the film's climax, only for Austin to go back in time 10 minutes to save her. While escaping, Dr. Evil breaks Austin's canister of mojo, seemingly destroying it, until Felicity assures Austin that he never truly lost his mojo. The two end up in a menage a trois with the Austin from 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Dr. Evil is seen retrieving Mini-Me from space and vowing revenge. And in a Jerry Springer segment during the end credits, Dr. Evil's son Scott learns he's not actually a test tube baby, but the love child of Dr. Evil and Frau. Ooh. <laughs> Salacious. Thanks to some time travel shenanigans. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> so, okay. You got to tell me when the first time you saw this movie was. Uh, Nate, let's start with you. Uh, so, I mean, uh, so the first Austin Powers. I'm just going to start there. I know you already yes. did this episode, but... Um, that one was a discovery through Blockbuster. Uh, you know, I had I broke my leg at Keystone Science School in fifth grade. Um, I was hobbled up on the couch all weekend, and so my parents uh, rented a film. We watched Austin Powers, and we thought it was amazing. I watched it several times that weekend, and uh, you know, it became a quick quotable part of my life uh so spy who shagged me we saw that one in theaters my mom and i went to go see it in theaters and i feel like seeing some of these movies with my mom is kind of a running motif on this show (laughs) and all i can you know i can just remember the two of us uh laughing our asses off (laughs) you know i was way into that kind of potty humor uh it was way up my alley in 1999 but yeah it's a it's it's that that theater experience and mostly just my mom laughing 
very loudly was something that I uh, remember. Um, specifically, I'm thinking of like Dr. Evil's uh, chair going berserk. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna vomit. <laughs> like, I just remember. I need an old priest and a young priest. <laughs> Exactly. I just remember her <laughs> laughing her ass off. Oh my god. Uh very contagious <laughs> laughter. <laughs> I could picture it. That's awesome. Uh I I actually can't even remember if I saw it in theaters. I feel like I would have because I loved the first Austin Powers. I saw it when it came out on VHS and I would have been hyped for this movie, but I just can't I don't have the memory of seeing it specifically. But I know for certain that I I saw it like immediately upon VHS release, if not in theaters. But yeah, I, I do remember the hype that summer, which I'll talk about more because there were music videos all summer long. Uh, so I'm a little hazy on, on the very first time because it just feels so like it's always been there at this point. <laughs> yeah, Austin Powers just seems so present, especially in 1999. And I, I think that's, a, that's a definitely a theme we'll see running through to the next movie as well. Just like the love and recognition that Austin Powers had during this time period from all corners of society, especially entertainment. Yeah. But like, yeah, for that reason, like I, I'm not sure I saw it in theaters either. It's just, I definitely, I know I definitely saw it on video. We had both copies. We had VHS copies of the first and the second Austin Powers. movie. They're actually my sisters. And I just would watch this one probably more than the first one. Uh, with my friends in particular, like at sleepovers and just at their houses, because Austin Powers was just the zenith of post-carry comedy for us. It's just like, okay, now we're on, now we're on this tip. Yeah, totally. We, I mean, I remember too, like this was, uh, I think the one that was probably replayed the most uh, in my life as well. Uh, you know, I think it did a, like the first Austin Powers is awesome. And as an adult, I, love 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 it um i think it's amazing but that second one was just it was such a sequels sequel it was it it took everything about the first movie and amped it up to the next degree so totally and uh i don't know if you want to launch into our our history with it nate uh, maybe this is a good as good a time as any because we're talking about like our personal histories with it so this movie is not the reason we're friends but it might be the reason we're good friends. One hundred percent. Because we were like we had classes together in sixth grade, but we didn't really hang out outside of school. And it wasn't until seventh grade, a seventh grade social studies project that we got paired together on, where we you know started going to each other's houses to work on this project. And we're like, wait, you love Austin Powers? The spy who shagged me. <laughs> I love that movie, and we just like bonded over our love of that movie. Our whole group, uh, you and I, and two other kids, Ross and Jordan. Yeah, so we were dead set on. Didn't matter what the project was going to be. It it was we are making up an Austin Powers parody <laughs> video. Yes, for the school project, <laughs> and and that we did, and that we did. <laughs> Uh, so uh, the video we made was called Aladdin Powers and the Spy Who Spied on Me. Um, it's a, uh, you know, it was, the project was about the Middle East and... Uh, Islam. Islam. The, the religion of Islam. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, so fitting. Yes. Hence so. Aladdin Powers. 
we don't have it anymore, right? It's been yes, lost. Sadly, to the time. movie has been lost to time. We have no idea okay. where it is. Yeah. Um, but we do. <laughs> We do have a brief synopsis. Um, so uh, for for the listeners, um, I've got the video box. Uh, it's amazing. I'm sure we'll stick it on the social media. So I'll read I'll read the back of the box uh, just to to get everyone a clue of kind of what happened here. The year is 750 A.D. and Aladdin Powers Nathan Tapp is on a mission to find Doctor Islam's secret base. <laughs> <laughs> to make matters worse, Doctor Islam. Cam Seamer has returned to the present with his partner, mini Muslim Jordan Miller, <laughs> from a coma lasting over a hundred years and is hatching a new diabolical scheme to annihilate the Christians using his highly sophisticated new weapons called swords. Luckily, <laughs> Aladdin Powers discovers where Dr. Islam's base is from one of his spies, Mustafa Ross Franklin. Now Aladdin Powers must thwart Dr. Islam's plan and save the day. <laughs> My God. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of glad we don't have this anymore because it's probably the most politically incorrect thing oh, yeah. ever. It's, it's probably prid, um, pretty uh, sensitive, <laughs> xenophobic. So what I remember is like not really grasping anything that we were supposed to have learned. I remember there was like a, a sheet of keywords of like vocabulary words and we just like had to incorporate them and we just like shoehorned them in as as randomly as we could it just like i was just in like let's make a movie mode <laughs> and we and we made a very funny movie uh i, I remember it got a i think we got like a hundred percent on the project oh yeah our teacher loved it <laughs> oh my god <laughs> um our teacher has since been canceled and and uh got removed from the profession for some nefarious reasons but uh uh so i'm not sure if that means the audience was good <laughs> <laughs> that explains <Right>. things kind of <laughs> some of us pulled dual roles played dual roles like yes. mike myers and so i played the basil character i was basil expedition <laughs> and i feel like we would have had a fat bastard but i just don't remember yeah i don't remember either i feel like if we did it would have probably been played by me because i was i mean i was a little chubby <laughs> but i feel like we put pillows under someone's shirt i just don't oh, remember man, what the name would have been yes. because we couldn't have said bastard no it would have been anyways it would have been some bastardized, uh, you know, form of some <laughs> Islamic tradition, I'm sure. <laughs> How horrible of us. Um, so we're really here to just... That infidel or something. Yes. We're here to... I remember that being one of the words. Yes. We're here to atone for our, uh, our yeah. sins here. I would like to publicly apologize for, for any insensitive content made in the video that no one is, is ever going to see. So I don't even need to be doing this. <laughs> Guess, uh, I feel yeah. like Matt Damon where he's like, I'm sorry I said the word fag. <laughs> Nobody knows that I did, but I did. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? Yeah, that's we're pulling a Matt we're pulling a Matt Damon. But anyways, the point is we adored this movie a lot. The point is we we loved it enough to not realize that it was a parody itself and that parodying it was kind of redundant. <laughs> But man, was it fun! <laughs> yes, and I would I would credit that experience to why I wanted to ever get into making movies in the first place. 
because I saw yeah. how fun the process was. It was like the first of our uh, like our class project film trilogy. So, yeah. so, so that's a uh, you know that's that's it had a special place in our hearts. And the rest is history. <laughs> I'm and glad here we are. Yeah, man, I I'm glad we documented that. That's a charming racist story you guys have. So <laughs> <a> wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, let's find who shagged me. <laughs> yes, now 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 on to a bastion of of uh, dignity and tact and sensitivity. The Austin Powers <laughs> yes. movies. Man, one thing that sticks out to me about the Spy Who Shagged Me, maybe because what why it resonated with me a little more back then, was that although the original is like goes hard on spoofing like trends and styles of the '60s, you know, through Austin and Doctor Evil. Like the sequel is much more nostalgic for the current pop culture, like that of the nineties. Yeah. Nineteen ninety nine for yeah. sure. I mean we get the uh you know, the movie basically starts off with that Jerry Springer uh episode <laughs> which yes. is so good. What was it called? It was just like uh I wrote it down somewhere. Um, my father is evil and he wants to take over the world with this segment. <laughs> yes. And uh, the other dads that are involved in the situation was like a KKK dad, a Nazi dad, a skinhead dad, I assume. And then uh, just like a flat out, just like Southern racist dad. Bubba dad. Yeah. <laughs> How's that guy going to take over the world? <laughs> <laughs> Storm the Capitol, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I'm, I'm sure Q probably has something to say about that. <laughs> um, yeah, that that was one of the big things I noticed about this movie is, and and I did rewatch the first one just to kind of see what it was doing because I didn't really ever study it from that point of view of like how 90s is this movie, mm-hmm. and it's really not. It's really more about like how the 60s attitudes are just outdated, right. but it never really specifically places Austin in, in 1997, specifically. It's kind of like, here are some broad things that have changed since that time. He gets laughed but, at yeah. for drinking a Zima. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> but this this movie is just so 1999. Like, uh, I, I, I made a running list of, of all the, the references. So, like, <laughs> Star Wars prequel, because the prequels were coming out. Uh, Apollo 13 movie references. Jerry Springer. Scott Evil's goth style, Rebecca Romaine, the ubiquitousness of Starbucks, um, Frau being LGBT, cloning, like as in, <laughs> yeah. you know, Dolly the Sheep, yeah. Independence Day, Talk to the Hand, all that in the bag of potato chips, just, you know, a lot of slang like that. Jerry Maguire, uh, the song One of Us, the song Just the Two of Us. <laughs> With an amazing, with the, with the amazing uh, rap verses by by Doctor Evil, oh, I knew that better Which, than the actual Will Smith song. Yes, I was going to say the same thing. We're watching it, and I'm just like, from the moment I heard Frau say I had a clone, <laughs> knew the whole goddamn thing. The new Beatle, I also clocked that as a '90s reference. Oh, like his time yeah. machine is of the, the '60s, one, yeah. but actually of the the '60s and the '90s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh chili's references there was a chili you know the baby back rib song <laughs> yes and of course the min- the whole like concept of mini me is a is a reference to that island of dr moreau movie with marlon brando and oh, yes, the little totally. version of himself in that movie <laughs> totally <laughs> Play- especially playing the piano like he has his own little piano it's like top of it <laughs> so it's a, it's a fun thing about this movie that i think is is one of its strengths like 
I feel like sometimes that can date a movie in a bad way, but I feel like it serves a purpose here. And the thing I like about the way that Austin and Dr. Evil kind of engage with their respective decades and being pulled out of their home decade from the 60s is that Austin kind of like can only be himself. He's like always just the swinging 60s guy, (laughs) but in a way him never trying to be anything else is what makes him like timeless and able to adapt. Whereas Dr. Evil is constantly trying and failing to keep up with the times. He's always like awkwardly dropping references and like (laughs) just trying too hard to keep up with technology, with, you know, (laughs) yeah. The music of the time, like everything. Um, Yeah. It's that same, like that pain of displacement that Austin feels throughout the first movie. Like Dr. Evil just feels it all the time, no matter what time he's in. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Like the whole, like, you know, he, he, like catches up catches up to modern culture and then when he goes back to the 60s he's all of a sudden out of date again um you know asking for billions of dollars (laughs) and they're like what no (laughs) (laughs) he just can't win but he's trying so hard and that's yeah that makes him sympathetic yeah I do I do have a feeling that, you know, The Spy Who Shagged Me is really Dr. Evil's movie through and through because it, it mm-hmm. starts and ends with his song. Like, it's they're singing about Dr. Oh, Evil yeah. and, oh, not, and not Evil. Austin. Evil. <laughs> <laughs> that's been in my head ever since I watched this movie. <laughs> that, well, that's uh, I was gonna, the, the song that's been stuck in my head the last couple days is uh, from the next movie we're going to talk about. So mm. uh, I'll save it okay. from my pocket. Okay. But yeah, it's, um, I mean, I think that's one of the great, like I said earlier, it's like, it's a sequel sequel and it does a really good job at kind of taking what worked from the previous movie, but also adding a bunch of kind of new gags, which I think were a lot of fun. Like, you know, we get in the first movie, we get those little, the, the cleverly placed objects in front of, uh, their naughty bits. And then the movie starts off with, you know, Austin Powers <laughs> dancing to some Quincy Jones with all the cleverly placed objects. And they just, they, they like take it and then do it to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it's so, so funny. Uh, one of my favorites is probably the, uh, you know, he's at the table with the two rabbis and they've got the long piece of meat and they're cutting off the tip of it. <laughs> I love Mike Myers' reactions there because, like, when they're cutting, he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. 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 He always, like, he just has the, the perfect timing in all yeah. those gags. Yeah. The lady, yes. like, snapping her compact, her, her yes. makeup compact show. <laughs> Yeah. Another favorite of mine is the baby with the pinwheel. (laughs) And he's like dancing back and forth. He's swaying as he like creeps up on that mom. And then the baby, the baby like sticks up and like looks at him. (laughs) Clever, clever. Yeah. So I I do think it, it does take a lot of good things from the first movie, but I also feel like it learns some of the wrong lessons especially in terms of the potty humor. Yeah. I feel like that's where this movie loses me. Like, I I love the sex jokes. I think the sex jokes are amazing. They're hilarious. They they hold up. The penis jokes. Yeah. Yeah. No, great. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like the poop stuff. The poop. Yeah. (laughs) That that, that loses me. I feel like they took the, like, the pee scene from the first one and, like, the bathroom stall scene. Right. Which are just suggestive. You don't see anything. But they're like, oh, people loved that. Let's... That's one up that with a bunch of poop stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna say I definitely I think I've in seventh grade I loved it. I thought it was hilarious, but I've definitely lost right. 
definitely lost my taste for the poop humor. Uh, it might be a bit nutty, but I've lost the taste. Oh, man. <laughs> I was going to say, that still makes me laugh. I don't know what that says about me, but I love when he drinks the shit. It is shit, Austin. <laughs> it is shit. Well, it's a good setup because it's like planted at the beginning of the scene, and you see him kind of like looking at the coffee, like not sure if which one's the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks um, eerily like some it, like coffee pot. Yeah. I, I also feel like I can't complain too much, like knowing where the the grossness is going to go like in the next in the next movie <laughs> like this yeah, this one feels yeah. like it's still pretty much contained within the right. character of fat bastard in particular like that's yeah. Oh, yeah. as gross as this one gets is him eating chicken in bed oh look at me i'm like a singer <laughs> which is which the, is gross yeah <laughs> absolutely <disgusting>. gross <laughs> <laughs> but but that character is saved because mike myers is hilarious yeah in his performance of it like yeah the, the line delivery is just really funny to me still i, I will i will <laughs> say that as much as maybe i'm averse to uh poop humor uh the fat bastard farts are uh very funny <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that like punctuate his really serious monologue <laughs> i need to get in touch with, I agree with that. myself <laughs> and then it's just the i don't know how many uh, different fart sounds the like uh, they went through in the sound design apartment but they found the perfect one <laughs> maybe uh, <laughs> I mean who, like hasn't, a... who hasn't said that after cutting one and some and yeah. being accused <laughs> maybe <laughs> oh man I think there's a place definitely for scatological humor, especially in Austin Powers. And it makes it better that it's not the only thing that the movie has going for it. It definitely spreads, spreads it around, which is more than I can say for Goldmember, but we'll talk about that later. The shadow play too, if we're mentioning kind of (laughs) butt humor, Holy crap. That, that, that had me in tears still. Oh, it's fucking great. (laughs) (laughs) Just the reactions of the henchmen yeah. as they're like, oh, is there, "What is there a gerbil in here? Yeah, yeah. Like, what is? How did that get here? I I don't know." <laughs> but you're right. It's like the reaction of the henchmen, like waiting to capture them. He's like, "What is wrong with these people?" Uh, the uh, the smoke bomb going off, yeah. and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, it does that. It does that sometimes." <laughs> Oh, it stinks. <laughs> I'll ask you not to open that in here, the umbrella. <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite now is opening the beer in his butt and then taking oh, a yeah. swig of it. <laughs> that that I mean that was clever as hell. Pretty funny. Mm. <laughs> and you know, we should talk about Mike Myers' scene partner there, Heather Graham, who is such a great foil uh and love interest yes. in this movie. The American woman. Yeah. What a great introduction, by the way. <laughs> American oh, yeah. woman. Well, actually, since we're on music, I want to rewind to her, that introductory like party scene where she shows up for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that needle drop, the magic carpet ride. Oh, yeah. Is like such a good. Well, I love that song. Such a good song. And I can only think of that party in this movie when I hear that song. <laughs> yeah. like I'm, because that's just like epitome of 60s to me in my mind. It's just like. If I if someone was like picture the '60s, I would picture that song with that party. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the move he makes when he when Austin just like kind of stands still for a second, then starts slowly vibrating. 
and yes. that and that is like what <laughs> just sends all makes all the girls go wild. They're like, oh my god! <laughs> 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 totally, totally, man. Such a great physical performance by Mike totally. Myers <laughs> all around in every role. <laughs> but yeah, then it transitions into the Felicity intro. Yeah, and she's a great character. I like that she's kind of like a female Austin in some ways. Like she's, you know, she makes the same jokes, the same like dirty jokes, and mm-hmm. uh, she can keep up with him in that way. Yeah. Shag well by name, shag very well <laughs> by reputation. <laughs> It is kind of amazing, like, you know, and it's what the, the story needs, like, someone like that falling in his lap after he's lost his mojo. It's, it's like he can't. Yeah. He's like, oh, no. This can't is do like, anything yeah. about it. <laughs> after, like, he, it, the first movie is all about him fruitlessly pursuing Vanessa until the very end, which is mo- much more in line with, like, the Bond parody that they're going for. That's how mm-hmm. there's there's resistance or, or there's just kind of, like, eye rolling and, oh, this guy. And then he eventually wins her over. But it's it's fun to see like this what this movie requires is someone who can work at the same pitch as Austin. So I mean it's another great way that I think again that the sequelness of it works. Like mm-hmm. how do how do we how do we do this but in a different way and kind of change expectations a little bit? Yeah, that's yeah. That, that's a lot of fun. Um and Heather Graham is I mean, she's freaking awesome. <laughs> Like that this, uh, that little that little uh, like you know velvety one piece thing she's got going uh, you know as a seventh grader loved loved it <laughs> there you go <laughs> and let's talk about the American Woman music video the Lenny Kravitz cover of that song in which she appears also in a, another great outfit for a seventh grade boy yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm so glad when you sent us those links because I I had like definitely had memories of the music from this movie and of of those mm. videos, but like I d- I forgot how like boob forward the American Woman <laughs> and Beautiful oh. Stranger is for that matter. Like, yeah. Just, oh yeah, like, yeah, the Madonna wow. song Beautiful Stranger. It's like there's a, there's there's a reason I remember these music videos from when I was twelve. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, both very randy. Yeah. Yes, and uh, the and the beautiful Beautiful Stranger is like an honest to god bop yeah i love it that movie awesome. I, that song is is amazing that might I feel, be i mean i'm I'm not a big madonna person but that might be my favorite madonna song yeah it's phenomenal i just i just love the instrumental so much and the hook is really fun i feel like that that uh that music video made its way on like total request live i feel like i just have oh, yeah. like a lot of memories of that both of them they both yeah. did <laughs> Those videos to me just like owned the summer of '99. Like I remember just like going to friends' houses, spending the night, like staying up late to watch MTV because it was you know like we weren't supposed to or whatever. And 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 like those were just on repeat. I feel like those those two videos are just embedded in my memory, mm-hmm. and they just remind me so much of just a time. And I I love them for that. Totally, They're both so '99 too. Like the lighting and the yes, the cinematography and. And props to props to Mike Myers for I feel I feel like I feel like usually like in a uh, soundtrack song music video um, you just get like clips from the movies or whatever mm-hmm. but Mike Myers showed up to filming and the dude gave a great performance <laughs> yeah just that great physical performance again fantasizing about being with Madonna and <laughs> having her like. <laughs> Like rubber butt on his rubber head. butt on his face, <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. While while he's like at the in the front row of a Madonna club performance or something, he's just like yeah. standing there staring at her. Uh, yeah, it's really great. 
all his dance moves are great and oh my god it like reminded me i don't know if i had looked this up when we did international man of mystery but i i'm not sure i knew that the austin powers character comes from like uh musical performances that he did with a band like it yes it, it all, it's like before there were the movies, there was this character, Austin Powers, who created for this faux 60s rock band that he did with Matthew Sweet and Susanna Hoffs oh. and some other uh, people. That's that's Ming T, Ming yeah, T Ming right? Yeah, Ming T, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know Ming T came first. Yeah. Yes. With the character first. That's... Yes, I, discovered, nice I, did, I also discovered this today, and I wish that there was more music from them online. Like, I would have loved yeah, to... Yeah. Like, I would love a full-on album. Because uh, I'm really I feel like you got to get it like on vinyl or something. <laughs> yes, I'm really into those Ming T songs. I mean, BBC from the yes, first one's yeah. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Daddy wasn't there from Goldmember from is great. One, yeah. Is great. I just want like a whole album of those like interstitials, those those transitions <laughs> in these movies. Like they're so good oh, and yeah. they're so iconic to me. And they help. I mean, I feel like they really help. You know, I mean, in some ways, the Austin Powers films are very much just kind of like joke, joke, like yeah. just kind of jokes linked together. And I feel like those little mm-hmm. interludes really kind of help linking it together. Yeah. And it's also like it also serves the parody of like 60s movies, and like 60s head movies in particular, where it's just like we're going to have this wacky, like laughing style <laughs> interstitial <laughs> before we do the next yeah. thing. <laughs> I loved the, uh, you know, we continue the tradition of having Burt Bacharach in these films. Um, and we get to add Elvis Costello, which is kind of fun. <laughs> Obviously, I was not a Elvis Costello or Burt Bacharach fan in uh, this in seventh grade, but I really appreciated that this time around. Yeah. I like the thematic relevance of that song, I'll Never Fall in Love Again. Mm-hmm. As he's falling in love again. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sans mojo. What do you yeah. say? What is what does Austin Powers mojo taste like? <laughs> and does it depend That's on how much question. pineapple he's eaten, or <laughs> or whatever? Gross. Um, <laughs> That's a joke that belongs in Goldmember. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> I do. I do think uh, it is great to have Doctor Evil. You know literally taste what it's like to be austin powers if only for a brief moment (laughs) oh yeah and what a fun moment that is (laughs) he's he's in his own crisis like you know he's experiencing a new kind of fatherhood for the first time he's back in the past bringing knowledge from a future that no one else understands this is this movie is just dr evil's identity crisis i love it (laughs) he's so good so i think by far my favorite dr evil moment <laughs> is during his jerry springer meltdown <laughs> the where he starts fighting with like the yeah uh it's just like a a, a ter- terrain of bleeps beep, um, beep. <laughs> but there's he's like atta- he's like full force attacking a guy he's like you were born in your mother's beep. <laughs> and then and then someone calms him down he's like i'm okay i'm okay you were born in your mother's <laughs> and he, like running back to yeah. the guy <laughs> like he continues whatever that is like you're born in your mother's <laughs> ass or shit or yeah. something like I, I was trying to <laughs> decipher what he's saying but like the fact that he just like says it like with more gritted teeth <laughs> going back in for more yeah. is so funny to me <laughs> uh eric has already mentioned maybe my favorite dr evil moment uh and it's just <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just the way he says it when he just goes, you know, they're taking mini me away and putting him somewhere. He goes, he's my special boy. <laughs> uh, mini me just opens up so many narrative possibilities, so yes. many comedic possibilities. Vern Troyer is, is great. He's so good. <laughs> he's so good in that role. And that bond that is formed like with, not only Dr. Evil, but with us, the audience in our hearts, like there was, there, yeah. it's like, you think Austin Powers was the most popular thing. Like all of a sudden everything became about mini me. Like there's yeah. a reason why people love this movie. I feel like financially it did even better. Like it's one of the few sequels to actually out earn its predecessor, like in movie history. And it's mini me, I think has a lot to do with that. It's, it's, it's just like a, yeah. it's just like a, I don't know. It's a concept that immediately embedded itself within the culture like oh like how many times have you heard people talk about like this is my mini me or like this like just referring <laughs> to someone who's kind of like you or i know people who yeah. talk about their kids as their mini me it's like it's insane <laughs> right oh yeah i've literally people have literally said that back oh my god he's your mini me yeah. <laughs> and he does feel like dr evil's baby yes yes in this well, movie. he does look he like a baby <laughs> Some of my favorite moments, uh, I love when number two, like, <laughs> it's like, uh, sir, can we talk about Mini-Me? Uh, it, everything's fine. He, it's just, he bites. <laughs> he's a biter. And then it cuts to Mini-Me and he's like, he nods. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's true. Like, I do. I'm a biter. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime he flips the bird, it's like, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. rage. <laughs> I like when he puts the skunk in Scott's room and he's like, you put a skunk in my room. <laughs> and he just like gives him like a, like a wagging of a finger. Like he deserved it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's what a genius idea. Great concept. Great execution. Um, and the, oh. and the fight scene with Austin, like on the moon is one of my favorite moments in all of yes. this trilogy. It's just so funny. <laughs> Um, like when he crawls into the yeah, suit, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, sticks his ass in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I think the most rewound moment for me and my friends was when Austin throws him at the pole, and the, it's, it's clearly a dummy, but like it just bounces off from his head hitting that pole. <laughs> I know, and, and like like every, like the music, like that fun like Austin Powers fight music, just drops out immediately. <laughs> 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 poor poor Vern poor little bugger <laughs> I salute you <laughs> poor one out for our homie Vern Troy yeah, yeah. Uh, I always get a kick out of <laughs> the humping of the laser yeah <laughs> mini me <laughs> and just <laughs> stop humping the laser <laughs> I like his embarrassment he's like on a video call with the president <laughs> and he's just like <laughs> I like thinking that mini me represents like the unfiltered base desires of dr evil like he's in he's just in love with weapons and destruction so of course his his like (laughs) stripped down base instinct little clone is just (laughs) wants to hump the laser (laughs) sex and violence and (laughs) anger (laughs) oh man but yeah tim robbins has a great great little cameo as the president just like uh (laughs) Wanting to nuke the moon. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, let me nuke something. Can we just can we just can we just blow it up? I got nukes it? coming out the yin yang. There's <laughs> a, a line that I savor. I think he's technically I guess it's supposed to be Nixon, but... Oh yeah. I was gonna say he was credited as Nixon, but 
There's no Nixon in that performance. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's the beauty of it. <laughs> Surpri- I'm surprised they didn't use a they didn't use uh, a Dick Nixon joke in there uh, for the rocket. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, you mean, totally. You mean one that looks like a giant Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> that daisy chain of yeah. of that that however long that sequence is, I just remember <laughs> then when I saw it in theaters, and now like when I watched it last <laughs> week, laughing my ass off. <laughs> The first time you see it, it's just like you, you don't know like where it's going, like when it's going to end. You just know immediately what's going on, and you're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe!" It. And with each successive like little joke, I don't know, you, you laugh harder and harder. I remember like yes. thinking like it was impossible to believe it was even happening. <laughs> I know. How could someone think of so many synonyms for a penis? It's crazy. Uh, which uh, do you guys have a favorite? I like one-eyed monster. Yeah, come see the one-eyed monster. That one's good. Uh, I love the. I love the. You know, like the the general or whatever. You know, it's a long, smooth shaft, complete with two balls. Yeah, I do love the transition into that too. The privates. Yes, um, but I think my favorite is the old uh, sex ed teacher just saying oh, yeah. penis. Also known as Tallywhacker Schlong. <laughs> like she already gets them out of yes. the way there. Yeah. <laughs> just just shock of her just literally just saying penis is too good to shouting it. Just penis <laughs> callbacks to the penis game, which I don't know if you guys played in junior oh, yes. and high school. Oh, yes. Of course. You know, my uh, my sister and uh, my wife, when, you know, I've, kn- I've known my wife for a very long time. When they were younger, they made a song about penises that just had a whole, it was like a whole long thing of just like every different name you could call a penis. It was, <laughs> uh, it's pretty epic. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, and I still remember it. Should I sing it? I'm going to sing it. Um, it's good. So it goes, <laughs> Mr. Johnson, Mr. Tallywhacker, Mr. I love you. Mr. Hot Dog, maybe Corn Dog is a better point of view. Mr. Peter, Mr. Piper, Mr. General of the Night. Mr. Sausage, Mr. One. I'd snake, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, I love how musical your appearances are. <laughs> Biden beat Trump, Trump, Biden beat Trump. <laughs> oh, how can I ever forget? It's a hit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we already kind of like touched on this, how this is like just a, this movie is just like 1999 in your face. Even when they go back to the 60s, it's still very much all about 1999. But I love how there are still elements of the Bond parody that's it's supposed to be or how it started as. I think they do that even better with Heather Graham as like the de facto bond girl and also like when they're captured in that magma with the magma pit i really love that henchman that's in there guarding them and how he just kind of like walks forward even after (laughs) felicity has moved out of the way (laughs) he's like he's ogling her breasts and he's like just keeps walking forward as if in a trance and that's the one where they're like yeah first we got to get past that one inept guard yeah (laughs) that dummy just like Clearly, like it's, I just let the cut to that clear dummy just falling yeah. into the <laughs> flame pit. Totally, mommy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, as much as I love Heather Graham, I do think Elizabeth Hurley is 
is a greater than symbol Heather Graham. That's just my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I just appreciate how game Heather Graham is. Like she's fits in but oh, you know, yeah, part but, of it part of it's the character and uh, you know so elizabeth hurley is just is working with that but i do think i mean heather graham is also a better actress i don't think anyone would debate that and it's crazy to me how like I, this was the first thing i ever saw her in it so it blew my mind in subsequent years like i would see boogie nights and <laughs> twin peaks and drugstore mm-hmm. cowboy like she was like on a trajectory and i feel like i mean not that this movie is anything to be ashamed of really because she's great in it but like you know this is definitely more in putting her in the sex symbol box than it seemed like where she was going you know with her career yeah she's just it's, it's hard because because yeah. i like i like her i like her as a character better than vanessa yeah she's, like we talked about she's more austin speed mm-hmm. she just like fits into the world that this this franchise eventually becomes I don't know. They they serve different purposes, and and I like them both. It's it's hard to choose. Yeah, and then you got Beyonce. So we'll talk about that when we get there. <laughs> that is that is a whole other ball of wax. Holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> I just got I just got to mention uh, you know another favorite line of mine that I just love that I did not get when I first saw it, and since has just become a favorite of mine and something I still <laughs> quote to this day, which is uh, Dr. Evil just saying, uh, what the French call a certain, I don't know what. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> exactly. Which is oh so God. good. So good. <laughs> By the way, did you guys, uh, I've heard, and you know, I have since fully believe in this, that Dr. Evil is just uh, Mike Myers' Lorne Michaels impression turned up to like yes, an 11. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> because every time, like, so anytime I've ever heard any SNL cast member do a Lorne Michaels impression, they just all sound like Doctor Evil. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> I think it's definitely most apparent in the first movie, and then like as Doctor Evil just gets yes. more and more buffoonish over the course of the films, yeah. he's kind of becomes something a little bit different. Kind of be- becomes his own. Yes, thing. yeah, for sure. Finds the character's feet. Yeah, I wonder what why that choice like why go to lauren michaels was he <laughs> particularly like overbearing or authoritarian or something like he just, just has a, a kind voice. of voice yeah he, yeah. Just, he also just has a kind of countenance it's very like stoic and dry yeah kind of like kind of like a bond villain you know yes, and then totally. and and then <laughs> i wonder if he's just like all. sitting at the at the table like with all the henchmen just be like man that, this is this reminds me of the snl like writer's room you know <laughs> <laughs> pitching yeah like pitching what? something that how you would think the head is... of the table act exactly. in this situation yeah. <laughs> you think you have a really funny joke and you're pitching it and you're like pitching your ass off and then lauren just looks at you and right you just don't get it <laughs> yes you're quasi evil you're the diet coke of evil i heard what, i heard that one of his um common phrases was um Throw me a freaking bone here. <laughs> like, that's a Lauren thing. That's amazing. And speaking of SNL people, we got to mention Mustafa coming Again. back. Again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the three question rule. <laughs> yes. Which which was in our video. Yes. We, we, I was remembering we, that too. We just we aped that scene. Just, just stole it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no like... parroting. There's like a there's like that conversation that they have when they're arguing about the three question rule with Mustafa that like reminds me of like a Wayne's World <laughs> sequence where it's like a little more witty and verbal. I mean, he's like, yeah, 
He's like, I'm just, it's like I'm pitching to converted. Why are you being so slavish to the three question format, man? <laughs> like, now you're not even looking at me. That's just rude. <laughs> Started a whole new line of questioning. <laughs> He's right. <laughs> they definitely toned down the brown face on Will Ferrell for this one. Yes. <laughs> they, there was, I don't think there was any brown face. No tints. So. No, it's just him. <laughs> they, they learned. They knew. <laughs> Somebody called him out on it, I'm sure. But I mean, the Scottish face is very heavy. <laughs> if you, I just like closing my eyes sometimes and listening to Fat Bastard dialogue and picturing Shrek. Just oh yeah, <laughs> they are very similar. It's the blueprint for Shrek for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Which goes back. I don't know if you guys have seen. So I married an axe murderer. Yes. Mike Myers plays also plays a dual role. He plays his character's father, who is very uh-huh. Scott Scottish, has that same voice. He just loves doing a Scottish accent. Yes. His faja. <laughs> yeah, I, there are fat bastard quotes that just I incorporate into my everyday mm. speech and, and like they just feel they they feel so removed from this movie at this point because I just use them so often. Yeah. Like, where's my money? <laughs> <laughs> or, or if I just like if if I'm gorging myself, I can't stop eating <laughs> <laughs> or if there's something that i really want to eat i i just sent a gif of this the other day is get in my belly <laughs> i do the same thing <laughs> my brother and um, my brother-in-law was uh in new orleans and sent me like a picture of some like baked oysters and sent that gif <laughs> literally searched <laughs> searched for that gif one one night that is close to my heart personally is uh you're lucky wee man when <laughs> mini me runs away but i i remember because there was one day um you know in the seventh grade or whatever where three of my friends came over and we played multiplayer goldeneye on n64 and we'd all seen spider shag me and uh you know someone played as odd job in multiplayer so very diminutive character and we just thought it was the funniest thing to call him the Wii Man. And like the whole time we were playing, we were just like searching for whoever was playing Odd Job. He's like, "Get the Wii Man! You're lucky, Wii Man!" Like when you run away. And then later, later that evening, my dad—I heard my dad complaining to somebody on the phone, or like my mom was like, "Oh, I heard all day was Wii Man. Get the Wii Man!" Because <laughs> we had just been shouting that at the top of our lungs all afternoon. So good. So it forms a symbiont circle. Austin Powers and James Bond comes together. It took me years to even like understand that it was a Bond reference. <laughs> These movies were parodying a style of movies that I was just oblivious to. <laughs> I was like, "These are just funny movies on their own." <laughs> the volcano. I think the volcanic lair is a great Bondism. That's a fun one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just this island that the yeah. Oh man, the uh, you know when they uh, arrive on the island and you know uh, Felicity gets out and she's all like in her bikini and she's like oh, yeah. and like shaking off her hair and then Austin does the same thing in his bikini. <laughs> that that one that one had me when I was a little too or when I was in seventh grade too. <laughs> yeah, very funny. Record scratch. Yep, <laughs> and you know coincidence that all three austin powers movies were released in the same year as a james bond movie i don't know (laughs) this would have been what uh world is not enough yeah which means we're about we're like uh we're like five austin powers movies behind them 
<laughs> they owe us, goddammit. Oh, something that stuck out to me this time uh, was the line when he's convincing Felicity to come b- back with him to the 90s, where oh, yeah. she's like, I want to see the 70s and 80s. He's like, the 70s and 80s, you're not missing anything. Oh, yeah. There's a gas shortage and a flock of seagulls. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, I got a kick out of that line. And like, and then I started thinking about it more. Though, like in retrospect, I feel like that's more true of the '90s, at least from like political societal perspective. And I think about it this way: like when you when we see Austin's pad in 1969, it's like it's fab, it's like colorful and fun. And like when he, they go back to the '90s, it's like an Apple store. And I'm like, this, <laughs> right. this looks pretty lame. It's a Virgin Records, yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, this looks kind of lame. I, I don't know. I just think there were like, was way more going on in the decades that he skipped over than like the 90s, which is kind of like typified by its lack of like turmoil and and kind of just like a, you know, the opposite of risky, the opposite of of uh, of adventurous. <laughs> I don't know. And I, I know that like that's that's kind of something that happens in every time like there's, you know. The, ma- the mainstream, the establishment, but it just seems like in the 90s there was there was little pushing back against that outside of maybe the early part of the decade. It would have been fun to see some, you know, Austin Powers hijinks and shenanigans in, yeah, the other decades. 80s would be a lot of fun. We get we get yeah. we get some 70s action, but but yeah, the 80s would have been a lot of fun. Yeah. What blew my mind too was. You know, doing research and figuring out that Mike Myers was 36 years old when this movie came out. So he's like around our age. Yeah, I'm 35. That's insane. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird to think about. Yeah. I want to goof around like Austin Powers when I'm 36. <laughs> yeah, baby. I hope that's still allowed. <laughs> and maybe, I, I don't know if you guys have anything more to say about the movie. I do have some extracurriculars I think I'll talk about here. Because cool. chronologically, they come in between... Spyro Shagme and Goldmember. Oh, yeah. Let's hear them. So what I'm referring to are two Game Boy Color games that were released in the year 2000. Like, such was the popularity of Austin Powers, the massive, <laughs> massive popularity, that not one, but two games, uh, Austin Powers' Oh Behave and Austin Powers' Welcome to My Underground Lair were released. And <laughs> I don't know if you guys looked anything up about them, but in case you haven't, I want to get your thoughts. Like, what what do you think? Like, like just just basically, what genre? Like, what kind of games do you game. think these are? What would Is you it guess? Just be? like a, I would just my guess would be some sort of like spy hunter treasure hunter. I don't know. Like, yeah, just kind of like moving around and collecting shit and fighting bad guys. I'm imagining some like a Pokemon style, like sort of overhead, yeah, movement of some sort. Like dungeons, maybe, especially yeah. underground lair. Well, you guys are both incorrect. Although <laughs> element elements, certain elements of Cam's guess are present. Both of the games are desktop computer simulators. So when you boot it up, okay. when you turn like, on the game, grab the key. When when it oh no, I mean like literally a computer. Like if if it's like the interface yes, is like a desktop. Exactly, the interface <laughs> is like a desktop computer, like Windows. And you when you turn on the game, it does like a fake DOS boot up sequence, like every single time you turn on the game. <laughs> and <laughs> you you get in there and you can click on different icons that take you to like little apps, like a calculator or a calendar, like actual calculator and calendar little sound bites from the movies uh 
a quote video clip from the movie. A fake. So it's just like a f- it's folder. It's a folder of stuff. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you can look through. There's like a there's a that's fake so internet interface with like links you you click on. Um, that's just like production notes for the two movies. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody forgot to make a game. <laughs> within within the folders, there is one folder of little games, but it's like literally rock, paper, scissors is one that's on both titles. Um, the fuck? There's Go. There's a version of that Japanese board game, Go. And because these are two, so these are like companion games. So one is themed to Austin. The other is themed to, to Dr. Evil. So like that, mm-hmm. that makes a difference in terms of like the sounds you can assign to things, the background, <laughs> you can change the background to other things. Oh um, my God. What the hell? But they also have like their own like signature games. Austin has like kind of like this little puzzle platformer and Dr. Evil has a pretty rad, like excite bike style game. But the the gist is like all of this. It's like basically turning your Game Boy Color into what would a now computer. be like a low end smartphone. Like you have all these apps you can just <laughs> use. That's oh so God. weird. Yeah. That is the most bizarre. Like, what was that pitch meeting like? <laughs> I don't know, but um, and these are both these are both um developed by Rockstar Games. If you're familiar, they did because they would go on to do Grand Theft Auto. The Grand Theft Auto people. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, Grand the Theft people Auto. who've made. In crazy immersive games. Yeah. <laughs> well, these definitely Holy have a very shit. cheeky sense of humor, just from like the, the the very basic idea of like let's make an Austin Powers game that's just like a desktop computer. <laughs> like I've never made a video game before. It's, so here's here's my theory about what they're going for. Is it's like imagine you're like from the '60s and you go forward in time and the experience of just like of merely getting onto a computer is like amazing (laughs) and mind-blowing interactive experience but we're making this for children in the 90s (laughs) (laughs) who at this point have have nintendo 64 yeah it is it is truly insane (laughs) that's that is hilarious Uh, so are you recommending it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that I recommend it outside of just like people who are obsessed with 90s ephemera. It is it is like it is very, very <laughs> 90s. And in some ways, then it's the perfect companion, the perfect licensed game for The Spy Who Shagged Me, because it's just like this is 1999 in a nutshell. <laughs> Help, I'm in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> Soon to be outpaced by better technology, but here it is. <laughs> well, I guess speaking of outpacing things from 1999, is it time to uh, talk about Goldmember? I think so. All right, well, it's time travel a few years into the future uh, for Austin Powers in Goldmember, the second part of our Shags Giving Feast. This movie was released on July 26, 2002. It was again directed by Jay Roach and again written by Michael McCullers and Mike Myers. And it stars Mike Myers, Beyonce Knowles, Michael York, Robert Wagner, Seth Green, Mindy Sterling, Vern Troyer, Fred Savage, and Michael Caine. And Tom Cruise. Well, (laughs) (laughs) a bevy Uh, of cameos. Too numerous to to mention now, but we will will talk about it. So many that I'd forgotten about. But we have another recap (laughs) to get through. Are you playing the song twice? You know I am. And 
this time, since it's the sequel, we need to add a character, which will be me doing the recap. <laughs> I'm Cam's mini him. Ooh. And I will, I will try to live up to the standard he has set. So my recap is uh, <laughs> JK. So the movie opens with a high octane chase sequence, flashy action sequence that is quickly revealed to be part of the Hollywood movie adaptation of Austin's life, directed by Steven Spielberg and starring a bevy of acclaimed actors. Meanwhile, Dr. Evil returns from space and reveals his latest plan to travel back in time to 1975 and partner with the gold-obsessed Johan Vanderschmutt, a.k.a. Goldmember, whose genitalia were destroyed in a tragic smelting accident. <laughs> Once he's there, Dr. Evil will use a tractor beam that's been developed by Goldmember to smash a meteor into the Earth. Dr. Evil's plans are quickly disrupted, though, when Austin storms his lair and sends him to prison in the first act. For this feat, Austin is knighted by the Queen, but he is dismayed when his father, Nigel Powers, is absent from the ceremony. Austin then learns that his dad has been kidnapped by Goldmember and taken back in time to 1975. So once again, Austin travels to the past and links up with a love interest. This time it's Foxy Cleopatra, an FBI agent and Austin's former flame, to infiltrate Goldmember's disco club. But they are too late to prevent the Dutchman from taking Nigel Powers back to 2002. Uh, during this, Dr. Evil and Mini-Me engineer their escape from prison and relocate to Tokyo, where they meet up with Goldmember. Austin and Foxy pursue them and rescue Nigel, but Goldmember escapes with the parts needed to activate the tractor beam when Austin and Nigel start having an argument about Nigel's neglectful parenting. The heroes gain a new ally when Mini-Me, feeling rejected by Dr. Evil, switches sides and helps Foxy and Austin infiltrate Dr. Evil's submarine lair. Eventually, the heroes get the upper hand, but just as Austin is about to defeat Dr. Evil, Nigel reveals that the two are actually brothers. (laughs) Their mother was killed in an attempt on Nigel's life when they were babies, and he assumed that only Austin survived, leaving Dr. Evil, a.k.a. Dougie Powers... (laughs) to be raised by nefarious Belgians. (laughs) Dougie teams with Austin to stop Goldmember from activating the tractor beam. The world is saved, and the camera zooms out to reveal that all of these events were captured in the movie being made at the beginning of the film, which is entitled Austin Pussy. And in a final coda, a furious, bald Scott Evil vows revenge on Austin Powers taking up the mantle of his father. Roll credits. Yeah. Goldmember. So Nate... You and I saw this movie for the first time together. Our history continues with the Austin Powers franchise. Nice. Hell yeah, we did. I even think it wasn't it some sort of like sneak peek. Like yes, a, so it was like a Wednesday yeah. screening or something like. I don't. That. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how how we came into it. I don't. Even, I don't remember that detail. But yeah, it was like a day or two early. But at the time, felt so like <laughs> VIP, and was like, oh, oh yeah. my god, we get to see a movie two days before it comes out which <laughs> is like is. standard nowadays it's like thursday's showings are like the standard but back then it was unheard of so that mm-hmm. was like oh so awesome we get like we get this movie before anyone else yes uh and it felt like such a treat we went with Shout our friend out parker. To, uh, parker who also joined us yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a good time well I was not quite as connected, but I do remember seeing this in theaters, probably on opening weekend, with my Austin-obsessed friends, <laughs> the people we have been quoting Spire Shagged Me with forever for the last three years. And uh, 
I don't know. Were you guys still excited by the end? Because <laughs> I feel like we could tell it was a bit of a letdown. I think we were we were kind of buzzing from the the VIP experience, mm. but yes. yeah, I, I think deep down I knew that like it wasn't as good. Yeah, um, I, I almost, it, but it, I feel but like, it had yeah. moments. I feel like I remember almost like as I was watching it, feeling like something was slightly awry. I mean, the first like five minutes I think are still fucking brilliant. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, lo- I absolutely um, love that open. It's, it's, the, <laughs> but high, I remember, it's the high point, <laughs> for sure. I just yeah. remember, like, uh, Dr. Evil's first scene and kind of being like, this seems a little off. Like, Dr. Mm. Evil seems a little off. <laughs> Do uh, you notice his, his colored blue contacts are, like, way too bright? They're like, yeah. So much yes. brighter Very bright. than the other movies. <laughs> it's unnatural. <laughs> <laughs> and it's too, it's, yeah, he's he's acting like, like such a buffoon it's like it's kind of like how we said spy shagged me takes everything from the first one and like dials it up to 11 and this one yeah. says like is there a 12 on here can we like- <laughs> yeah, yeah. yes <laughs> yeah and doesn't often and it didn't like often like add anything new that much to the picture like there's occasionally there's some i think there's still some really brilliant strokes throughout the film um but yeah just kind of took the same jokes and did it again um, yeah but but and, and pushes it further. It's like yeah. it, like it takes it takes the the body shaming of fat bastard. It's like again the wrong lessons. Let's push that even further with like the mole who has a a, a mole that's so disgusting on yes. his face. Yeah. Like yes. and then and then gold member who eats his own skin flakes for yes. why? Yeah, <laughs> bizarre choice. Yeah. A bizarre choice. Um, I do. I mean, I remember before it came out. Like I mean, Cam said like being actively excited for this film yeah i mean at this point i was knee deep in like coming soon.net and like <laughs> chat rooms and like hearing little tidbits about the movie before it was coming out i remember specifically watching some television show and and seeing a tv spot for for austin or for gold member and uh it was you know dr evil getting excited about freaking sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their freaking heads mm-hmm. and i remember laughing so hard i was crying to the point that my mom was like i'm not gonna go see this movie with you if that's how you're reacting to <laughs> to this part here <laughs> so uh you know that this was not a movie i saw with my mom <laughs> but that opening yes yeah. i mean uh, i remember in, we were in the just, annals we of were cinema dying in the theater <laughs> yeah oh yeah, yeah. There's pandemonium. Like I, yeah, I'm sure you guys, your theater was full, and everyone is just cracking up. You know, yes, that was a, that's a magic moment. No, no one can yeah. take that away from Goldmember. Hey, asshole! <laughs> How many me? Come and get me! And the button of Spielberg being at the director is so good, and the scene is so funny. Like I think about. Speaking of things we still think about every day is is his line when it's like when Austin's like oh it's good but I have a few suggestions and Spielberg's like oh really because my friend here is Oscar yeah. thinks it's fine the way it is <laughs> yeah. so good and then the musical the the credits start yeah. and he like flips away yes. it's like a clear stunt double like just yeah away. It's austin like conferring him, with all like, the Gwen, crew yeah. and they're all, like they immediately all like pop into like a da- like a dance pose <laughs> <laughs> like that's i think i saw somewhere that you know i don't remember how much money 
like it might have been like the first Austin Powers movie had like a fifteen million dollar budget or something like that. Mm-hmm. The second one had a thirty million dollar budget, and yeah. I'm I swear this one had like a sixty million dollar budget. Yeah, like they had mostly for those. Yeah, and most of it's from that first like five minutes for sure. (laughs) You you mentioned and you mentioned the sharks with laser beams and like that's there's a really good metaphor in there somewhere that speaks to what you're talking about, Nate. It's like (laughs) like the expense of like actually getting mechanical sharks and like putting them in the set that actually has like a a water tank under opens up to reveal a water tank, and like it's a metaphor for a movie where everyone is just saying yes. It's like you're getting everything you want. (laughs) Totally, but, but like. You know what does it what does it mean like what does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take some of that scrappy soul away. Yeah, I think that's also kind of uh, lampshaded, maybe a little bit in the the fact that Doctor Evil's lair is now in the, like the Hollywood sign. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, like the front is like a talent agency, yeah. which yes. are, is a good idea. But I wish they did something more with it. Like that doesn't they don't they never really do anything with that. And I feel like they could have they could have like just leaned into like the meta-ness of it and uh, they didn't really follow that through with anything. Leo. <laughs> Leo. Leo. Yeah. That's so good. I mean, I will say as much as like as much as, you know, over the top Dr. Evil was, um <laughs> this the scene like one of those first scenes of them just still has me like it's so over the top, but it's so, still so damn funny to me. He's just like, you know, talking like Frau, and she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One, of the, one of the few, like, rehashing of a gag things that I think works well is the Scotty Don't stuff. Like, it's <laughs> yes. just, it fits in really well alongside the shh and the zip it. <laughs> yes. I think it's, I think it is actually, I think it might be my favorite of them. It's just, I think it's so funny. <laughs> and, and I like I'm later right. the payoff when it's like Dr. Evil's told that Scott wants to like follow in the family business. And he's like, oh, Scotty Do? Scotty Do? Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Darren? How about you, Darren? How about you, not? <laughs> and it just like, and you know, Scott is just so over it by this point. Oh, let me do what I do. Oh, would you stop? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, me, aime le chocolat. Scotty n'est pas. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, but yeah, but then you get those like moments when it's like mini me's on like the little thing and he's like, oh, I got me a Marlin and he's yeah. got his like crazy yeah. little hat on and you're like, what, yeah. what's happening? It's, like here? A, it's a step too far. It's like, it's a little too cartoonish. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's what it is. I mean, speaking of that, like the, the one scene I truly do not care for after all these years is the flashback to like, remember those days at the Academy? Yes. And it's like none of it. International man of mystery. Yeah. Number one, it's just like rehashing all the other jokes that we've already made. It's literally carbon copy of it with just younger looking actors. And it doesn't even, and it makes no sense. (laughs) No. In a bad way. I will, you know, I will give props to uh, whoever the guy was that played Basil Exposition because what a great Basil Exposition impression. Yeah. Good Michael. (laughs) Great job, Boston. I think all the young actors are pretty good at, at, Oh, yeah. they're supposed to be but yes you know everyone was doing those impressions at the time so it's like you could probably spit in a crowd and find someone who could do a good <laughs> austin or dr evil or... Yeah. yeah it's just yeah i, I mean they're, they're they're working with what they got but it's just yeah. no point to it this is so 
dumb. Yeah, yeah, and and the the choice to like make them related, falling back on that old trope. Yes, uh, like why why make the James Bond surrogate related to the evil character? Like that's so silly. <laughs> it is really funny how they predicted Spectre. Almost yeah. 15 years ahead of time. True. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> I remember seeing that inspector and being like, uh, oh, like Austin Goldmember. Powers did it first. Austin did it first. <laughs> Goldmember did it first, guys. <laughs> oh, man. But, um. you know, I have, a, I have a note here. Low-hanging fruit, which, like, kind of characterizes mm-hmm. this movie for me. Mm-hmm. Not terrible, but just uninspired, yeah. you know? It's watchable yeah. and it has its moments like like you both have said. Oh yeah. I mean and I can see I can see the idea of like, you know, daddy wasn't there. It's like the daddy issues thing. Bringing in the daddy issues which have been there since the beginning. It's like I can see how they were like let's tie it all together with, you know, cuz Dr. Evil and Scott have had this father-son thing the whole time. And it is kind of like representative of the themes like this 90s kid clashing with his 60s father and I don't know. You didn't. You didn't need to like make it a whole family affair no. <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> it's fun to get uh, Michael Caine as Austin's father. That's that is fun, but maybe just making them brothers is one step too far. Yeah. Yeah. You do get. It does give you the song "Daddy Wasn't There," which again, which is I good. Think it's kind of a bop. I, yeah. I agree. That's, I agree with that. That's the that's the song that's been playing in my head the whole time too. Mm. I was surprised to remember <laughs> to like to see how much of that song I remembered as it was playing um, and being like, Oh yeah, I remember this <laughs> when I was crucified, when I was, when I was circumcised. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, but, but on the other hand, on the other side of that, the, uh, the Dr. Evil prison, um, hard knock life song doesn't do it for me. <laughs> no. Yeah. So that, that's, a, that's another thing. So like we talked about the last movie, just being so 1999 and i feel like this movie's references are not as 2002 like they're a little bit more dated than that like like britney spears is like several years late Mm. at this point silence of the lambs i mean i guess hannibal had come out Mm -hmm. so that was back back in the zeitgeist but hard knock life is like several years old at this point you watch what you Um, say about britney (laughs) (laughs) She was okay, still okay, music, that's, guys. Okay. Especially like she's like filming a Pepsi commercial like during that sequence. True. I think she was still like I'm right, the slave right. for you. The slave for you hullabaloo was just like the year prior. <laughs> okay. I fit, but I feel you. I feel what you're saying. I mean to say to the uh, Ozzy Osbourne reference was uh was pretty also That's dated. yeah, that's pretty special. But, yeah. that's but I also did I also did love I also loved uh I loved that moment. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, they, <laughs> they're like lampshading. It's like, oh, they're just reusing Boobs. the jokes from the, from the last movie. Yeah. Boobs, Ozzy. I fucking did this the last joke of the same last fucking Ozzy fucking movie. Um, also, the just like is the the amount of takes that it took him to say that with the uh, yeah the the bloopers yeah. at the end. <laughs> right. That did have that did have me laughing. <laughs> I guess I guess it just it doesn't feel as like targeted towards like the time that it's being released in like uh, yeah i feel like they did like, a half make measure. fun of everything yeah, yeah they did, they did yeah, it as a half, half measure because like they also have to cram in like aside from the 60s-ness of it all which is always present right they have to cram in With all the Austin, 70s yeah. jokes too because we yeah. go to a different era and, and i feel like that's even barely touched upon they yeah. they basically just like snatch Goldmember and foxy out of the 70s yeah yes. they don't really do anything with with them and like i would have loved more 
seventies versus the two thousands through those characters, but but it's it's just kind of an excuse to have like a black exploitation character around. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's it's a it's limp effort with that those yeah both Goldmember and Foxy. Like the thing about Goldmember is he does still like try to he in the laziest way possible like just just mentions pop culture things. But what annoys me is like they're not they're also not right. They're not. They're anachronistic sometimes. Like he he mm. he references things that he wouldn't have experienced. Like when he sings the song from Yentl, it's like that's <laughs> that's from the eighties. Like what do you how how would you know that? <laughs> Casey and the Sunshine Band. Uh, yeah, yeah. Walter Matthau versus Bad News Bears, which was like nineteen seventy six, not nineteen seventy five. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> He he was just he just knew it was in production. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, I will also say like when when they bring Foxy Cleopatra back to the nineties or back to the early two thousands, um, the video he shows her is that felt dated to me when I watched it because I remember seeing that, <laughs> but like I remember seeing it like three years ago or something like that. It's like oh this old joke monkey video of the monkey. Smelling his butt. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was like nascent internet stuff, not 2002 stuff. Um, Just a quick side note. Uh, You know, the whole AOL thing reminded me of this. Um, I had many, many screen names throughout my life. (laughs) Um, And Uh one of my screen names was uh, Mr. Bigglesworth 16. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Man. What was the 16 for? Was there any special significance? Uh, it was the only, the only significance was my buddy Parker, who we saw gold member with. His longtime screen name was Mr. Shorty 16. Mm-hmm. So I think I was just channeling parodying some, him, channeling some <laughs> Parker energy there. You're, par- you're doing a parody just like Mike Myers. <laughs> yes, <laughs> indeed. All about those parodies. I think this is also the era of well, the, the Spy of Shaggy era is when my friend got a Mr. Brigglesworth shirt. It was like a or it's like that shirt that says like when Mr. Bigglesworth gets up or no, it just said Mr. Bigglesworth. And it was a picture of, his, <laughs> of a, the naked hairless cat. <laughs> this is going back to the second movie, but I like the mini Mr. Bigglesworth. Oh, yeah. He has. Yes. Just love him. Like trying to eat him. him. So cute. Yeah. We don't eat our, we don't eat our kitties. Just love him. Stroke him. Uh, they definitely amped up treating Mini Me as a baby, like in his baby Bjorn. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> is he sleeping? <laughs> uh, the Doctor Evil stuff is the stuff that works the most for me because, like, being an idiot yeah. is just kind of evergreen. It's just yeah. there. Whereas, mm. like, the other stuff, the sexual, the scatological stuff, just gets kind of cringy. The stereotyping, yeah. like, oh boy, the parody of a Dutch man that I don't understand and don't quite get why that had to be done <laughs> like, yeah yeah it, that that doesn't land like a gold member i don't he's unfunny to me i will say that like i mean speaking of dutch like the michael kane line is maybe the funniest line in the <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> you know, there, there are two things i don't like in this world people who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the dutch <laughs> <laughs> i love the look that austin gives him yeah, but the whole the whole uh, gold member thing really just boils down to gold members line, which is I'm from Holland. Isn't that weird? Yeah, like that. That's it. We're all supposed that's to just respond to that. Yeah. Yes, it is weird. I guess <laughs> boils down to he has a gold penis, which does 
Play into the plot. <laughs> yes. We sound like a bunch of Dutch haters. Yeah. <laughs> I do I do I like God. <laughs> I do like kind of the weirdness. Like he allows he gives Dr. Evil like a reason to to be the adult in the room sometimes because his yeah. gold members ideas are yes. so off the wall. Yes. Like, that's How so... about no, <laughs> you crazy Dutch bastard? And I do like the, the, the kind of pout that gold member makes after this. <laughs> Actually, my, I think my favorite gold member moment is it's a pretty fun scene, funny scene in general, like when Dr. Evil's kind of phasing Scott out. Or no, phasing Mini-Me out because Scott wants to be in the family yeah. business now. And he's like, I need some air. Like, like everyone clear the room. Not you, Frau. Not you, number two. Not you, like, random guys in the background. Not you, person, like, at the dial. Uh, Arbitrary, arbitrarily turning knobs. Yes. <laughs> Not you, henchman holding a wrench. <laughs> and... uh Just gold members, like, running commentary. He's like, oh, a little guy can't take a hint. <laughs> Because yeah. he just wants mini me yeah. out. It's oh man, and the, it's a power I struggle. Think, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then just the the performance of Vern Schroyer leaving in his little like seat. He's just like turns yes. his head, <laughs> pouting. Yeah. I do, I do think Vern Schroyer's performance in this movie is better than his performance in the last movie. I agree with that. Uh, he's got more to work with. He gets more to do. Yeah. Mini Austin, I think, is clever. That yeah. was a that was a nice, uh, you know. Obviously, the next point you would take that joke to. <laughs> I like how he, he he writes he writes down a message. Are you a clone of an angel? Which made me think of Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> Are you an angel? <laughs> do you have a Do you have a little clone in you? <laughs> would you like to? Um, Beyonce, 21 years old. Yeah. 20 years old, even, okay. probably, I imagine, in filming. It is mind-blowing. Just mind-blowing. The, the fact that Beyonce is even cast, that she even exists in this film. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. You know, judging, you know, looking at it from the perspective of how, what she is now in, in terms of our, our culture and, and oh, yeah. how she's viewed and how she is, like, really after this, <laughs> probably, like, starting right after this movie, just, like, very very much controlled her image and yes and, and like her brand it is so crazy to think that she did this <laughs> like, yeah. don't you wouldn't you want to know her thoughts about it now yeah like what is it like does she talk about this is does jay-z <laughs> mention this around her is this like a no-no topic is it i need the like beyonce only commentary of gold member yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> It is just so weird to see our queen and savior, Miss B, doing a Pam Greer impression in this stupid poopy peepee movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, like, I had a kind of like a memory of like me thinking like uh, this was another bad thing about the movie. Like, oh, it's Beyonce. She can't act. She stinks in this movie. But that's not true. Like, I, I'm, I was wrong about that back then. And I, I think she does fine with what she's got. Like you said, Nate, she's only 21. Like she's not at this point was not a seasoned actress. <laughs> she's just kind of thrown into this yeah. wacky mix to play a stereotype. Exactly. Yep. She does well with the uh, like the the little musical bits they give her. I do like her uh, intro at the club. Yes, he's got the Midas touch. He's touched it's it too, too much. much. <laughs> <laughs> and she's but like, she she doesn't really factor into any like yeah. No, that's a good song and. But she doesn't really factor into any arcs or anything like like she doesn't. She's just kind of there. Yeah. 
uh, and it's it's unfortunate that she she's just become a Bond girl that these movies should be parodying, right? And saying something about, but she's kind of yeah. they're, they're falling back trap. into the tropes yeah. of just yeah, yeah. She's a whole lot of woman. That's all you need to know. Uh, that's why, like at the very end, when she's like, "Thank you, Austin, for everything," and they have a very awkward kiss. It's like one of the reasons why it's just like, "What? Why?" Yeah, yeah. Not to mention the, fact the like, that my, twenty year yeah. age difference. Yes, yeah. a little icky, a little icky. Um, my question is like, do both of these women from the second and third movie, Felicity and Foxy? They both stay in the like the nineties and the two thousands respectively, right? Like yeah. how do they feel about that? I mean, we get a little bit of how Felicity's like, Will I like it? But like we don't get any of that with Foxy. Like, how does she feel about being <laughs> ripped from her <laughs> her, her life in the seventies? Yeah. <laughs> well, again, like I, I just I I would have loved more seventies <laughs> versus two thousand two through her. That would have been a good totally. opportunity. Yeah. But to quote Basil, I suggest you don't worry about this sort of thing and just enjoy yourself. <laughs> yeah, that goes for you too. <laughs> That's a good uh, moment. <laughs> like, don't think about this time travel logic. Yeah. <laughs> just just enjoy it. I do love uh Nathan Lane's cameo. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Her first scene. Uh, yes. So good. He's up. like she's she's talking through him. Uh, in the club, and he's just like lip syncing everything she's saying, <laughs> and it's such a good performance. I especially love when he he snaps the like makeup <laughs> thing on his fingers, and Foxy goes, "Ow!" <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's the uh, it's a beautiful button on that whole gag. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's a great cameo. <laughs> we had a, who else? We had the we had the cameos in the beginning. We have Katie Couric, who's just randomly. <laughs> oh wait, this this ca- yeah, her cameo baffles me because she has a unibrow, and yes. I feel like she's supposed to be unibrow the character from the last one, right? But it's baffling because this is still present day. This would have been after Frau's romance with unibrow. Is she the reason that she was able to get in to yeah. visit Doctor Evil because they have an inside woman? It's bizarre. But wouldn't it be weird that she's like hooking up with Doctor Evil right in front of her? Like it's it's. I, I just <laughs> think I'm just no so confused by it. I all. just I just think Mike Myers thinks unibrows are funny. I don't think it's supposed to be <laughs> okay. the same character. It's just a way to make Katie Couric unrecognizable because she also has like a goatee, right? I yes, and I that. and I I read that that the unibrow was CGI'd. <laughs> they didn't. They couldn't even bother to <laughs> put put the makeup on Katie Couric. Katie Couric's like well, no. Or they yeah. thought yeah. they thought it would like a goatee would be enough, and they looked at it like no, it just still looks like Katie Couric. It's a, it's like a weird <laughs> impulse to like make it unrecognizable. But this is kind of what I'm saying about like the the scope, the reach of Austin Powers. Like yeah. there's a reason like Borat, everyone's comparing Borat to Austin Powers when Borat Mania exploded because it's like mm-hmm. how who else could get Tom Cruise, Steven Spielberg, even though I'm sure they pay them truckloads of money still like to agree to be in this movie like just oh sure austin powers whatever you know everybody loves austin powers just the amount the sheer amount of like goodwill totally. that mike myers had it's it's mind-boggling Gwyneth paltrow yeah, kevin spacey like all these are like oscar winning it were you know very very acclaimed successful actors at the time especially like holy crap <laughs> michael michael kane Man, I, like yeah. the things Michael Caine has to stoop to do. Like, I cringe at the scene where he's just like alone with Minnie Me, and he's like, "Let me see your dick." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. They don't give him a lot to work with. 
That Dutch line. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. That, that cool callback, though, like when he's took me several viewings to realize when he's like, Mini Me walks in, he's like, oh, I thought I smelled cabbage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, it took, that did take, that took me a while. I wrote it down and then I was like, eventually looking over my notes and I was like, um, yeah. That's a call, yeah, that's a callback to the first movie. Yes. Connie's. Circus folk. I think my favorite sequence in this movie is when they go to uh, uh, Mr. Roboto's lair or whatever his like his, his building office? his company <laughs> yeah his office the uh, they like there's just some really good gags in that specifically I thought the the subtitle scene was pretty good <laughs> yeah that's, <laughs> that's one of my fun. favorites yeah. just like you know strategically blocking out certain words <laughs> i do have a huge rod Ina. i wish Ina. <laughs> uh and as much as i was like you know trash talking the potty humor i think the fountain joke is pretty funny <laughs> yes in this es- one especially when he just like starts like forcibly spraying <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like that's just a fucking <laughs> funny visual. <laughs> just like peeing so hard yeah. that you're like at the end of the bladder and just like <laughs> Or just the plate uh, of asparagus sitting there. Well um, I mean randomly, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, it's like, asparagus, I'm gonna eat us as asparagus and then his pee starts smelling and yeah. just goes on too long for me. And then like they yeah. they kind of like repeat it with the physical gag once they get onto the ship. And like, uh, yes, they have to like do a pee sample and mini me spitting out the apple juice. Yes, yes. Uh, I didn't need that sec that that like callback to the joke. Yeah, um, I mean Austin on mini me's shoulders is pretty silly. Yes, I do like that <laughs> the way that he moves around too and like moves his arms <laughs> like a robot <laughs> and ha- and like changes his voice too. He's like, "Hey, how you doing? You doing good?" <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. I think that the shadow play with Minimi's arm is pretty funny at times when he's like just like forcibly like pointing at the map pointing at the map <laughs> I mean eating the apple it's like I don't know it doesn't look like a penis like I don't get it no like, it, doesn't, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't at all the only part I like is the big finish where yes it's like he's he's birthing Minimi his water his water breaks yeah. Minimi falls bites out the, he bites the umbilical yeah. cord yeah. <laughs> and it's just, that's a great setup but it's also weird that like either they they filmed the as like they filmed the shadow thing way before they knew they were gonna put mini me in the austin mini austin costume because he's like bald in the shadow but he has hair it's very odd but it kind of adds to the joke too yeah above above uh, molly molly that's that's something we would definitely yell in the high school cafeteria for no yes, reason just molly molly the mole the mole somehow was like for me the 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 breakout star back in the day and now like when i watched it now it just makes me kind of feel sad for any person that had a mole like that <laughs> yes like, yeah surely surely for a quite a while that was happening to them mm. yeah one my favorite bit of physical comedy in the movie though probably has to be the scene with Doctor Evil explaining his plant meteor plan, and he like lowers the globe and it like <laughs> crashes onto his head. Just to <laughs> yeah. watch Mike Myers like running around with that big globe yeah. on his head, and then the meteor that <laughs> smashes into his groin, and he's no way. <laughs> <laughs> I will always love Doctor Evil being a buffoon. Yes, yes, it's classic. 
him him uh like at the end when like they're having their sort of family reunion and that sappy music's playing and yeah. he's running doing his <laughs> silly ridiculous doctor evil run yes. that he can't see when his own son is doing it and he's like i don't know where he got that from <laughs> there's a funny like little flash of something during that montage of like people having like little emotional moments like running and hugging each other where doesn't it show like number old number two in like women's lingerie sitting next to young number two for like a split second yes it does <laughs> i'm like Whoa, what was that all about where did that come yeah. from yeah like a cut scene yeah <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about again going back to number the number two movie yes. <laughs> rob lowe's performance as number two is pretty great like, oh, yeah. i think it's... he does it he does a really good i don't remember that uh, robert name, wagner yes. yes yes uh really good and i like his breakdown when he, <laughs> speaking of globes he's like bouncing oh, the globe man. and he's like are you, are you gonna cry you're gonna cry <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like no i never <laughs> and then he does cry <laughs> also also a call back to the the first movie where he, number two is betraying dr evil and he breaks down stop yeah, yeah, yelling at me <laughs> i've had enough of you pushing me around <laughs> 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 such a good uh, performance also i feel like that's that's a great dictator reference when he's like bouncing the globe and then yeah shoots then, it to take it back time. to 1999 yeah shoots it and does that little wiggle <laughs> does that little like dance <laughs> hell yes there's one last moment of wit in gold member at the very end of the credits there's a song that's like a parody of alfie from the michael kane movie alfie i don't know if you guys are familiar from the 60s yeah, yeah. Seen it. and uh a very famous Dionne Warwick song that was written, co-written by Burt Bacharach. Al- What's it all about, Alfie? So they have, What's it all about, Austin? Oh, yes. Being sung by Susanna Hoffs of Ming T. <laughs> cool. Oh, that's amazing. So there's some, you know, there's, there's like, to your point, like, it's too bad they didn't give Michael Caine anything good to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was just a presence, a name on the on the poster. Shat on a turtle. Shat on a turtle. <laughs> shat on a turtle. English, English. <laughs> oh man, that's a good. That's a good moment. <laughs> I wrote that down in my notes in all caps. <laughs> I mean, I I'm embarrassed by the things Michael Caine has to do, but he does them greatly. Well, yeah. Here, there's, I feel like he's he's always good. He's always, yeah. and he's always game. I mean, there's a reason. Like he remember he like did his. I don't know if it was his Oscar speech or like a Golden Globe speech or something where he was accepting an award. He's like, I made a lot of crap and I made a lot of money. (laughs) And because of that, I'm able to do also things that are good. What was it? He was in like what? Jaws 4? Jaws 3? Jaws the Revenge? Yeah, one of those Jaws sequels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The fourth one. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's one of his famous like, yeah, definitely did that for the money. Yeah. That's also famous where the one where he won his first Oscar, he could not be there to accept because he was making. He's on set of Jaws Revenge. <laughs> oh <Oops>. my. <laughs> I was always interested uh to know if there were a fourth Austin Powers movie like to follow that Scott Evil, like Scott Evil plotline. Oh. <laughs> I don't think I was yeah. I don't think I was excited about that at all. Um after the movie was over, like I think I was more in the line of like eh. Scotty Evil as like the new bad guy. No thanks, but um, I'd, I'd be kind of interested in the. Now. After all this time, now I'm now I'm a little curious. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's been enough time between <laughs> between the two. Yeah. Well, perhaps we'll we'll get to that in our yeah. pitches. Ooh. 
But before we do that, does anyone have anything else for this movie? Uh, props to John Travolta again. Um, <laughs> that, that he was another great cameo, and I just loved. Uh... That's a good seventies pull. I like right. that. Yeah. That's an element of the seventies. Yes. Like, okay, you did the right. What it could have been, but what yeah. it could have been. I know. I know. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> but before we move on to pitches, can we do some rankings real quick? Ooh. What's everyone's rankings of? Well, let's save the movies. Let's rank the Mike Myers characters of these movies. Okay. Mm. So the four, the four Myers characters, how would you guys rank them? I'm, I'm just going to go right off the top of my head. Um, from fourth uh, to first, we're going to go Goldmember, fourth, mm-hmm. Fat Bastard, third. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, despite the fact as much as I love him, obviously. I mean, these last two are the best. But I'm going to go Austin Powers 2 and Dr. Evil 1. <laughs> <laughs> I have the same. Hit the retweet button. Hit the retweet button. <laughs> Hit the retweet button twice because that is my also exact ranking. <laughs> yeah. Doctor Evil, Evil is too so good. good. Like, I feel like he's just he has so much conflict within himself. Yeah. Yes. He's so hilarious, and it, like the thing I love about these movies is that like you can kind of feel the improv in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like like when the camera's just like just let Mike Myers go. Like let just let him do his thing. And that's especially apparent with the, the evil scenes. And, yeah. and I will say, like, like, like we've been talking about, like, even though Doctor Evil is like turned up to a twelve, which I think is way too far for the character to go. Um, in that third movie, he still made me laugh a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, Austin, Austin, Austin's shtick. <laughs> Uh, isn't that Daddy's Daddy's Fager. Fager. Austin Powers yeah. is Faja? <laughs> is Austin's shtick is funny, but it it does kind of get tired by the third movie. But like Doctor Evil's shtick kind of never gets old. Like like yeah. Eric Eric put it well. You just you never get tired of him being a buffoon. <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, quick right, shout so out, what? quick uh, just quick shout out to my sister uh, who will probably not listen to this, but um, maybe I'll tell her to so she can hear this shout out. My sister and I had like ever since Goldmember came out, call my dad Faja. <laughs> <laughs> Faja, can you hear me? To this day? To this day. Nice. All right. Well, how would you guys rank the trilogy? Here I'm curious because I feel like there there's some real love for number two. Not the character, but the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but the character too. The character. Yeah. We love number two. Love number two. <laughs> Who does he work for? <laughs> Well, I think for me, having rewatched all of them recently, because yeah, I also watched the first just to kind of see where we were at before mm-hmm. these two. I'm going in release order from from top to bottom. So number one is International Man of Mystery, then Spy Who Shagged Me, then Goldmember. Mm-hmm. Retweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's me too. I feel like second one, like the highs are are so good, but you know, the poop humor kind of brings it down a little bit. Um, yeah. it's just, it's playing to more of like a base, you know, lowest common denominator audience. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say this. I mean, the first one's amazing. The second one I think is a, is a great sequel, lesser than the first one, but a great sequel. Um, and the third one is, uh, what happens when you just do that again? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is what you people like, right? This is what you like. <laughs> Speaking of great sequels, we got to talk about our ideas 
for where to take this franchise next. Nice. In a little segment we call Pitches. <laughs> Pitch it to me, baby. <laughs> there it is. There it is. All right. Well, I will start off. Uh, it's been 21 years uh, since the events of the last film and Mr. Powers finds himself in a sticky situation. Following the events of his escapades in the swinging 750s, um, Aladdin Powers... Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> is living peacefully in a small house near the beach. Smack dab in the middle of retirement, he gets a call from Basil Expedition that he is needed for one last mission as the dastardly Dr. Islam is planning some culturally insensitive attack on the Christians, um, and only Aladdin can stop it. Uh, So uh, he, uh, Dr. Islam and his minions, have kidnapped a scientist in charge of Project Testicles, um, which is which is a bioweapon that uses nanobots that work their way into people's brains and successfully cancel any individual that has been pro- that they have been programmed to do. Uh, um, and maybe I don't know; these little nanobots look like tiny vaginas or something like that. I don't know. Uh, we're going to need some sort of reference there. But, uh, you know, I'm thinking essentially what happens is there's this like Black Mirror episode when like uh, people can like, you can erase people from your vision and they get all fuzzy. So like mm. these canceling nanobots um, cancel you and remove you. And, and he, maybe he's trying to erase all the infidels or Christians or something like this. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so uh, Aladdin feels a little trepidatious about this because he feels that um, he too has had his fair share of cultural insensitivity um, and is trying to keep a low profile. But Basil, you know, essentially convinces him that he's got to do it. Uh, eventually, he gets there and he realizes it's a trap. And Doctor Islam isn't trying to cancel the Christians; he's trying to cancel Aladdin Powers. Yada yada yada. I'm not sure what happens here. Yada yada yada. The plot of this is no time to die. Yada yada yada. <laughs> um, uh, in the end, um, Aladdin Powers must atone for his sins or face permanent cancellation. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything any further for no time to die, folks. Um, but uh, you know, despite the fact that this is definitely just a no time to die. Uh, Nate and Cam um, atoning for our uh, past transgressions type thing. Um, I couldn't think of a great no time to die pun. I was thinking like no time to be canceled, but um, I, but the title of this movie is never say Aladdin again. <laughs> you did it. Crazy son of a bitch. You did it. Yeah. <laughs> I created our sequel. It's the only oh, way, man. Cam, that we can truly atone for this. Though probably by making it, we will just offend a whole offend new generation of, yeah. of kids, of people. Yeah, I love it. Which we didn't offend anybody <laughs> in 2000. So, as far we've as probably we offended know. more people now, admitting to to our our past yeah. transgressions than yes. we did in making the thing. For a class of like twenty people, maybe. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Just by saying the words "Doctor Islam" on a on something that will be on the internet is like, <laughs> yep, yep. I'm I'm getting that's I'm a new a... it's a new benchmark. I think, but you know what? The good thing in all of this is that we now have another 
movie to go on our our mythic shelf next to poop fart pop tart exactly (laughs) exactly that is precisely where i imagined it would be next to (laughs) you oh my god that is still my favorite title of all time all right so that was my aladdin power sequel next Uh, i'll go next it's brief uh and mostly oral but uh, <laughs> <laughs> my log line is Austin Powers prepares to tra- time travel ahead 75 years to see the future of shagging. But a mishap yes. sends him the back the other way oh, to no. post-war Britain. <laughs> oh, God. So like, just think of like we're rationing, we're rebuilding from the Second World War. And Austin is there. He's so we like to kind of fix the problem of like having to add new changes to this character and to his family, etc. Just make him the the variable and make him the influence that changes everything around him. So Austin goes around helping Britain and London rediscover its mojo and setting the stage for the swinging 60s later, while also kind of getting tied up in some kind of Cold War plot with a beautiful Soviet spy who's trying to bring down the royal family in a sex scandal. And because it's Austin Powers, it can be like this lady spy is trying to sleep with the queen. Because wouldn't that be crazy? (laughs) And at some point in this timeline, Austin's carelessness ends up disfiguring a teenage Belgian refugee named Dougie, who vows a lifetime of revenge. So we're retconning (laughs) that. Oh, shit. (laughs) We're retconning that whole uh, gold member revelation. Wow. And I mostly just wanted to do this because of the the title I have for it, which is hat tip to cam who actually came up with it first. No time to behave (laughs) because you people, you just went through a war, but this now this you're, you're done and this is no time to behave. Go crazy. (laughs) Yeah, baby. (laughs) So good. That is awesome. I love it. I love the temporal mechanics going on there. I was hoping somebody would uh, use the time machine again. Oh, am I using the time machine? It's like a staple. It's a staple of the series now. You got to do it. Uh, I'm very much using the time machine in my pitch. Uh, So I really want another movie, but I feel like I kind of pitched one, sort of, in the last episode about the first movie, uh, in which I pitched Never Say Member Again. Such a good title. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm still using that title in mind, but it's only one element. So you'll see. Everyone loves Goldeneye. That's like you know one of the great games of our generation. So I imagine an, an open world first person shooter video game, <laughs> Goldeneye style, but one that involves time travel. Ooh. The ability to time travel to multiple decades for different missions, where each decade is its own level and feels like a, a new Austin Powers film unto itself with their own chapter titles for each decade. So Mike Myers comes back to voice his existing characters, plus several new supervillains and henchmen. (laughs) And the frame story can be this. It's the 2020s. Austin Powers is still the same swinging 60s spy he's always been. Dr. Evil has fully reformed, reverting to his real name, Dougie Powers, and becoming a pacifist dedicated to atoning for his many terrorist actions along with Mini-Me. Scott Evil has assumed the role of Dr. Evil and now runs his own terrorist organization that aims to destroy Austin once and for all. Though he's always been easily thwarted, 
He needs a partner in crime. Frustrated that his father will no longer take part in evil, Scott devises a plan to travel back to 1962, to the first time Austin and Dr. Evil clashed on a major international spy level, a time when Dr. Evil was at his most evil. Scott recruits the help of the young Dr. Evil, and the two become fast friends, bent on chasing Austin through time and trying to destroy him at several points in the timeline. So your first level, 1962, basically a Dr. No parody. The chapter (laughs) title simply, Dr. Evil. (laughs) You know, instead of the three blind mice from that movie, we get Evil's henchmen are the three little pigs, (laughs) Uh, who we learn are actually prototyped mini-me's. They're botched Dr. Evil clones created back when the technology was primitive and they tried oh crossing the DNA with, with that of a pig. <laughs> uh, so that's, you know, one level. You know, just imagine like your, your Dr. No parody. Another level takes you to the 70s. We're, we're parodying all generations of Bond, right? Like each, each actor. So another one takes you to the 70s for an adventure called The Man with the Golden Buns. we have a new villain that parodies christopher lee's spanish villain from golden gun and instead of francisco scaramanga it's bernardino orobunga austin notes how strange it is to keep running at the supervillains with golden private parts (laughs) the main henchman is a parody of the character jaws here it's jowls after his unusually large, saggy cheeks that he uses as deadly weapons. <laughs> Droopy he dog did. style. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine he like pulls them out and like snaps them somehow. Or, like, <laughs> swings them into you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can travel to the 1980s for Never Say Member Again, in which Goldmember <laughs> returns as the main villain. And to be as 80s as possible, I feel like the hench woman has to be a parody of Grace Jones. Her character Mayday. I don't know. I can't think of a good name, but I just want to say like an '80s Austin Powers adventure. Since we didn't get one in the movies mm-hmm. for the '90s, you get to go to the year 1997, which happens to be the same year as the first Austin Powers movie. So this becomes like a Back to the Future Two style intervening of the events of that movie, <laughs> with a new villain thrown in. He can be a parody of Jonathan Price from. Tomorrow Never Dies. I don't have a name for him either, but this chapter title is called Tomorrow, Why Won't You Die? (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, you go to 2006 in a parody of the gritty Daniel Craig era title Casino Behave. (laughs) (laughs) And instead of Le Chief, the villain is called Le Douche. Say, what is it? Does he have like, like I don't even know, shit coming out of his eyeball? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, I just have a name. That's all I really have. <laughs> um, but I, I just really want like the gritty, like dark, realistic version of Austin Powers somehow. Austin Powers a, doing parkour through like a yeah construction site. <laughs> a syphilitic Austin Powers. <laughs> Um, but I'm also thinking like Scott evil would follow through on his like ideas from this trilogy where he's like, why don't you just go back when Austin's on the crapper and, you know, just go back maybe even further in time when Austin was a baby or a kid 
So you can have even more levels where like you go to the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. Maybe you run into a younger Nigel Powers. Possibilities Ooh. are endless. Yeah. So I'm just imagining this open world adventure and the voice of Mike Myers all over this thing, playing all these new characters and the ability to like play multiplayer. Yes. Uh, and choose any of these characters and like choose any of these levels with your friends and just like go to town. Um <laughs> And I love that we all just kind of capitalized on the new Bond movie <laughs> with our titles, <laughs> but but I gotta I gotta capitalize on the the word time. So Austin Powers, no time to shag. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Nice. <laughs> Somebody call Rockstar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got the video game they, to end all. We do. Games. We do it. We got to talk to them. There needs to be a level where you have to access a computer and your TV just becomes an old computer screen. <laughs> your TV becomes the Game Boy screen for... Yes. You have to pull out games. the Game Boy and then on the Game Boy is... That's what I want. My Nintendo Switch is a Game Boy simulator. <laughs> that then simulates an old computer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Well... Yeah, we're, that's we're, it's going to be pretty expensive to get the license away from Rockstar Games. So, Hollywood, there you go. You got those ideas, and if you like them, please send us a check for what else? One hundred billion dollars. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, I got one more question for you on this Shags giving, and that is, what the heck were we watching? So we can, I feel like you can do one for each, which I did, or if you just have like a overall. I kind of have like just, you know, overall the the Austin Powers franchise now that we're done with it. Yeah. I was watching a flawed but often funny as hell Bond parody that also serves as a time capsule of the 90s and to a much lesser extent the year 2003 or 2002. Uh, whose true powers, Austin powers, <laughs> lie in the comedic timing and improv skills of the great Mike Myers. Totally. I all right. I was a. Uh, I was watching Mike Myers's dick joke, potty humored James Bond film turned up to an eleven, and then subsequently turned up to a 12 <laughs> and then it and then it fritzed out that's that's what i was watching <laughs> it fritzed out like the tractor beam the polarity was reversed it ended up destroying yeah. the asteroid that is the austin powers franchise <laughs> for the spy who shagged me i was watching a nimble comedy sequel that successfully shifts focus to the other characters and finds pathos and pity in those we might call evil <laughs> and for gold member uh, i think i was watching a comedy ouroboros that just consumes itself over the course of 90 minutes uh and reminds me of dr evil's words from the first film there's nothing worse than an aging hipster uh, <laughs> uh there we go shout that out is... to these movies for being 90 minutes long by the way hell yeah yes <laughs> all three so tight you're Tony the Tiger. You're a lemur. 
Make an interconnected series of tunnels like the Viet Cong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> burrow, 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 burrow. <laughs> well, folks, if you've got Austin Powers thoughts, we want to hear them. Uh, you can email us what were we watching at gmail.com like one of our friends and listeners did. And <gasps> if you've got time for an email, Nate, we'd love to read it. Let's do it. So this one comes from Kevin Young, friend of the show, uh, Reopening the Wormhole co-host. And his email subject is, I am Jack's total misunderstanding of Edward Norton's character's name. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot to unpack here. So Kevin says, hi, Cassville luminaries. I wanted to take a moment to respond to an email that was sent here to your podcast by Jack Stovold. This is what (laughs) you want, right? Emails from listeners responding to other emails from other listeners. Yes. Yes, it is. You guys guys are becoming a uh, message board. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Jack seemed to be implying in his email about Fight Club that Edward Norton's character was named Jack. I needed to respond and stake a claim that the I Am Jack's running gag is specifically that, a running gag based on a pamphlet that Tyler sees. It has no real relevance to Edward Norton's... Tyler's real name. Further evidence can be seen by looking at the credits and seeing that Edward Norton's character is named the narrator, not Jack. I've had this discussion with Jack on social media in the past, but I believe he disagreed. I just wanted to come forward and establish that Edward Norton's character before the big reveal remains unnamed. And that's the whole point. He doesn't have a name because he's actually Tyler Durden. Anyway, everybody think you're doing a great job. Keep it up. This is your boy, Kevin Lev. Peace and love. <laughs> um, yeah, I never I never thought that Jack was his name uh, or that Tyler Durden is his name. I don't know if that's what Kevin's implying, but I feel like Tyler Durden is also like a not Edward Norton's real name either. Right. But just something he assumed along the way. Yeah. 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 I mean, Marla, Marla does call him Tyler Durden, but he yeah. met her at a very strange time in his life. So, <laughs> right. When he was probably calling himself that. Or exactly. Meeting her as Tyler. Yeah. So. The narrator is Tyler Durden, but yeah, I think we can all kind of assume that's not his real name. Like, I don't think his passport or his, or his driver's license says Tyler Durden. Yeah. Or Jack. Well, I did... Because I feel like Tyler Durden is untraceable. You can't. And I did go can't back. find him in the records. I did go back to Jack Stovold's email uh, just mm-hmm. to see uh, what was going on there to remind myself. And I think he was mostly doing it. I don't know. Maybe he's, he, maybe as Kevin says, he's, he's takes this position that the narrator's name is Jack, but um, in the email, at least, I think he was just doing it for a joke where he's talking about, <laughs> you know, the saga of a different Jack and former guest of the show, Tyler, let's call him Tyler <laughs> Barmden. <laughs> so he's making this a- is, this is all very confused because Jack's name is Jack. Yes. And Barm is Tyler. Right. Uh, so there's like several layers of confusion here. That, <laughs> you know, we just might not be clear on what anyone means <laughs> to say. Which is which is par for the course. <laughs> uh, but thank you, Kevin. I We have noted your position on this matter. And I think we if all would like, yeah. <laughs> if you would like to add to the position or refute that or anything that we've just said, <laughs> yes, this is getting like the McLaughlin group or something. <laughs> we need a we need another counter opposing view, <laughs> counterpoint. 
But uh, if you want to be cool like Kevin Young and Jack Stovold, you can write to us what we're watching at gmail.com. Um, and, you know, connect with us online. What we're watching is our website, and our we also have a Bandcamp page. What we're watching on all our socials. Rate, review, subscribe, comment, engage. You belong to us now. Or, you know, you don't. Don't do any of that. It's up to you. <laughs> lies are lies. <laughs> <Yes, right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nate, is there anything you want to plug while you're here? You know, um, I've, I've, I've never got anything that interesting to plug. You can always follow me on uh, the social medias. 1986 is the... One nine N A T E Y six, you know my Instagram's full of pictures of concerts and babies, and um, <laughs> my Twitter feed is just me saying stupid shit. So if either of those things interest you, <laughs> and you're not already following me, yeah, that's I'm pitching that. Give them a follow. Maybe maybe we'll see some uh, Aladdin Powers pics too. <laughs> yeah, we gotta anybody, find that yeah. tape. We gotta yeah. find that tape. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is that and from? burn it and destroy it <laughs> so we, we've got we got to find that tape oh that's in a it's wet out american summer <laughs> they're talking about the kid the kid who is it the kid who like what did he do piss into something or jack off into something and michael <laughs> ian black michael ian black says we got to find that tape <laughs> <laughs> i've got a lot to say about wet hot american summer oh, <laughs> another one another planting another seed here he goes yes just call Just... him the gardener because he's planting seeds left <laughs> and right. That's what I'd like to plug. Uh, future, what were we watching episodes? <laughs> That'll be that. That does that take us into ninth grade then after X Men? Uh, oh, it I might. Think, yeah, it just it might. might. Cam showed that to me on. Uh, we rented it from Blockbuster. <laughs> Why not American <laughs> Summer? Uh, Masterpiece. Man. The good old days. Mm. Uh, well, guys, uh, the roller boogie has made me sweaty. So. <laughs> I think it's about time to wrap up. But Nate, once again, thank you so much. We love talking to you. Love having you on. It's always a pleasure. All right, folks. Thanks again for listening. Uh, and happy Shagsgiving to everybody. <laughs> May it be as groovy and as randy as you wish it to be. Uh, but until next year, I'm Eric Ambler. And for Cam Seamer and Nate Tapp, thanks for listening to What Were We Watching? And until next time... If you'll excuse me, there's someone I have to get in touch with and forgive. Myself. Sorry, I farted. It's a long road ahead.